Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. But let's take a little bit of time to touch on uh, an issue that is developing the potential for another global financial crisis. Alex, why do you believe there is a, a high risk of another GFC? Yeah, look, there's a few things, particularly warning signs, I think, that are out there at the moment. I guess just from a more from a historical perspective, economies are fairly cyclical in nature. You know, every sort of 10 years you expect a recession. That's pretty normal. Every sort of 30 years you expect something a bit more major, you know, like a crisis of some sort, like a major stock market crash and downturn. Uh, and then every 80 years or so you expect a bigger cycle, like a, a depression, which is, you know, a horrible thought. But nonetheless, these are things that have happened throughout history. So there's a cyclical nature to these types of events. Um, but the reason why I think there's... Uh, a risk of one at the moment is that when we look at 2008 and the crisis that occurred then, uh, many of the problems that occurred or the reason why they occurred due to high levels of debt, they were never really solved. They were just pushed into the future. So, you know, politicians basically lowered rates. They uh, went on a spending spree, printed money, etc., to try and bail out their economies and bail out banks. So many of the problems just really grew and they were just pushed out into the future. But there's a couple of things that I think have been quite troubling in just the last few weeks since we last spoke about a similar sort of topic to this. I mean, obviously, we've got the the war going on in Ukraine, but there's two big events that have occurred there in the last two weeks. One is the the sabotage of the the Nord Stream pipeline and then also the destruction of the bridge, I think, around Crimea. And so that seems to me that that war runs the risk of escalating. And, of course, that will have all sorts of flow-on effects to energy prices and a you know, general slowdown in the global economy. So that's, that's already a risk, and that does appear to me to be growing, not de-escalating. Uh, unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be many people trying to seek peace, which is a great, uh, great tragedy. Um, the second area I'd look to is the UK. Now, in the UK... Um, the the government under the the new prime minister announced they were going to do some tax cuts, which you know most people it sounds pretty appealing, uh, but what actually happened at the time is because the tax cuts were essentially unfunded, the UK currency plummeted about I think it's about five percent that day, uh, and then their bond market. Uh, also uh, started to fall apart. So their bond prices started to fall dramatically and their yields started to spike. Uh, and this is, you know, one of the biggest bond markets on the planet. You know, you're talking about a couple of trillion dollars in government bonds. And it got so serious that the Bank of England, so that's their, you know, Reserve Bank of Australia equivalent, uh, they had to step in and print money and bail out the bond market. So they essentially had to start buying government bonds to try and stabilise it. And that's always a very, very unhealthy sign when there's a, a lack of liquidity. Now, the UK is one of the biggest economies on the planet, so that is a big concern in and of itself. And then the third thing, which was really speculation that sort of occurred last week, was the the rumours around Credit Suisse, you know, a very large Swiss bank, 
that uh, appears to be getting itself into trouble. Now, we don't know exactly how that will play out, but we do know that in the GFC, UBS, which is another big Swiss bank, got itself into a lot of trouble. And of course, uh, Deutsche Bank uh, in Germany has, has been rumoured to have problems for many, many years. And of course, if you remember the GFC when we had the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers. So there is, uh, and of course, with Europe under so much economic pressure with their energy crisis, uh, you know, their economy is already in recession in Europe. Uh, if a major European bank was to go broke, uh, particularly one the size of Credit Suisse, which just by curiosity is three times the size of Lehman Brothers, then you would expect that would have a huge flow-on effect around the world. Now, I'm not saying they will. It's just speculation at this point. Uh, but the point is, there are a lot of uh, signals, if you like, uh, flashing red at the moment. Uh, and probably the big one also is liquidity. You know, central banks, particularly the US Federal Reserve, uh, withdrawing liquidity at the moment, and that is having a negative effect on markets. Um, markets have become extremely volatile in the last few weeks. I mean, any of you who watch the US, the Australian dollar very closely will know that the Australian dollar was a about uh, 69 US cents three weeks ago and today and overnight it went down to just under 63 so it's about 62 something at the moment so things are getting very volatile when the US when the Aussie dollar falls and the US dollar rallies like what's happening at the moment that's usually a sign of crisis you know the money floods to the US and at the moment it's especially flooding out of Europe into the US and into the US treasury market and US dollars so as I say, a lot of warning signs at the moment. And no doubt uh, you can identify around the world uh, where there has been either technical recession or a recession that's more accepted uh, g- throughout general communities, uh, those periods of negative growth. But is there a particular trigger that, that you can say, well, that's the thing that starts a global financial crisis? Uh, your thoughts here, Alex, what would you be looking for uh, to say that, well, this is the start of something like a global financial crisis? Mm. Well, you know, what's interesting, when you reflect on the 2008 GFC, um, it was usually, it's usually what we call, you know, an event that comes in from left field. Uh, you know, I think it was a guy called Matt Taibbi, I think his name is, in the US, who invented the term the black swan. And, uh, you know, it's often a black swan event. That is an event that nobody expects that comes along that acts as the trigger. So if we rewind to 2008, there were two big things that occurred. One was the the uh, subprime lending crisis in America, and that was uh, and now, that was when the US banks had lent to subprime borrowers, people who basically, in many cases, didn't have a proper income or proper you know proper job, uh, and that that market became illiquid and a lot of defaults started to occur and that was one of the triggers of the GFC particularly in the US and then of course the country of Iceland which you know most of us probably couldn't find Iceland on a map um, they had their banking crisis uh, where most of their banks had done a lot of crazy lending and so they're often seen as the two big triggers of the GFC and when you think about them both of them are fairly obscure most people hadn't as say in Australia hadn't heard of subprime mortgages and most people as I say don't know much about Iceland so it's often something from left field. So if we do have another GFC, I suspect it'll come from something that we're not expecting. However, in saying that, there are some obvious sort of characteristics of things that typically occur 
when a GFC event is either about to happen or is in the process of happening. Probably the biggest one is liquidity. Now, let me just explain to listeners what I mean by that. If you think about your own asset, like your house, um, when we talk about liquidity, what we mean is how quickly can you turn that asset into cash? And effectively, if it's a house, obviously it takes a couple of months to sell it before you get money in the bank. If you own shares, you know, like BHP, you can usually sell them during the day. So they're fairly liquid. So what happens when a crisis occurs is liquidity tends to dry up. In other words, the buyers disappear. It becomes very difficult to sell things all of a sudden. And that then causes prices to cascade downwards and causes markets to freeze up. So liquidity is a big issue. Now, because of all the printed money that's been out there over the last sort of 10 years, there's been highly, markets have been highly liquid. But now that uh, central banks like the US Federal Reserve are starting with, to withdraw that, it's starting to become a bit more illiquid and tumultuous. So that's one of the big ones. Uh, and the other ones, of course, is major institutions getting into trouble, like what I mentioned before, uh, and volatility increasing. And we're seeing that this year has been an extremely volatile year, not just in stocks, but in bonds and in currencies as well. Extremely volatile. So they're warning signs, if you like. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, I guess, signs that something may be about to happen. If something does happen, uh, let me just uh, reflect here for listeners who might be hearing something negative today and perhaps, uh, you know, it could be seen as being alarmist, but I think uh, we're sort of touching mm. on the, the real possibilities here. But some people might be asking, Alex, is it possible that the next crisis will be a whole lot worse than it was back in the GFC 2008? Yeah, look, it's a great point. Firstly, we don't want to be alarmist, and there's lots of hope through these things, and we'll, we'll, talk, we'll get to that side of it in a moment. But um, I think it's also important to be realistic too. So we, we don't want to be alarmist at all, but we do want to give people a sense that we do live in a world that is fallen and that things happen, and that I think due to particular way governments function these days, which is very short-term in nature, often crises do build. Um, so will it be worse than in 2008? Well, my concern has always been that the crisis of 2008, the Western world really refused to take its medicine rather than going into a period of deleveraging. And there was a little bit of deleveraging, like in the household sector, particularly in the US. But in Australia, Australian households have never deleveraged. Uh, Australia now is the second most indebted households on earth. So we continue to leverage upwards and borrow more and more money. Um, and I think one of the things, and this is a characteristic of human nature, I think, as well as obviously politicians and even central bankers, is none of, no one wants to have a crisis on their watch. So they're willing to push problems into the future rather than deal with them here and now. Their, their human nature is such that they want to push it into the future so it becomes somebody else's problem. Now, the problem, of course, with doing that is it can make the problem bigger than it had to be. And I think that's the situation we find ourselves in now, where central banks for the last you know 10 years have lowered interest rates to absurdly low levels, which has meant that governments could borrow huge amounts of money. So they've been running deficits, you know, particularly during COVID. So government debt is now huge. Um, and of course, household debt is huge as well. 
And so now you've got the situation, though, where rates are rising, and that's going to cause problems in the bond market, and we're seeing that already in the UK and the US, and even our bond markets here have been very volatile. Um, but probably the biggest concern I have, and why I think it could be worse than 2008, potentially, is just that we have a bubble in all asset prices. So house prices in Australia, it's no secret, they're the most, pretty much the most expensive in the world. There's only a few other countries that compete with us. Um, bond prices, you've just had a 30-year bull run in, in bond prices as interest rates have gone from you know, 18% in 1990 down to 2%. Uh, and of course, stock prices are very high, but they're also being driven by you know, very strong economic conditions over the last 10 years. As the economic conditions weaken, company profits decline and stock prices fall. So to me, there are these um, things that suggest it could be very serious. Now, I don't think necessarily a depression or anything like that, but certainly um, it's going to be a tumultuous period potentially ahead. Well, we all look at these things through our own eyes, don't we? And uh, if the probability of a financial crisis is high. Some of us are thinking about what happens to me in my household. Others are thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in business. Uh, What does it mean for me? Others are saying, well, church life, what does it do there? Uh, So what should we do about uh, the probability of a financial crisis, Alex? Yeah, look, and I think this is where it can be, um, as I say, even if it's a negative topic to talk about, I think this is where it can get very exciting. So, but let's let's break it down into those three categories: though, personal level, the church level, and and business. At a personal level, obviously, in, in a crisis, there's a risk that we might lose our jobs, and so it's important to have cash reserves. And you know, I always say, and any financial planner will tell you a similar thing: is to make sure you've got about six months worth of living expenses as reserves. So that's the first thing. And if you don't have that now, don't panic. Just you know, work your way to building it up. At the level of investing, make sure you're well diversified because you know when a rainy day comes, we don't know what's going to do well, what's going to do badly. I mean, sometimes some, some assets will do better than others. And I always say to people, when you think of, of your investments, think about investing in things that are essential. You know, at the end of the day, we've all got to buy groceries. So that's an essential service like Coles and Woolies. We all need electricity in our house. That's an essential service. So all of those things are going to still be around rain, hail or shine, right? So very important to diversify across those kind of things. Third thing is get out of debt or reduce your debt as much as you can. We don't really know how high interest rates are going to go. Um, but, you know, great chance to take it really seriously and have a definitive plan on how you're going to reduce your debt levels as much as you possibly can. And finally, just at the personal level, I think this is a real spiritual opportunity for us as believers to put our trust in God and not in the government. You know, we have such an amazing God who is above our circumstances. He is a God who can provide. And these tough times are often a great time to refine us and help us to draw closer to God and really see who he really is and that he's an amazing, generous God who can provide um, and can use us through these tough times, which, of course, then leads us to the church. What the church and what can the church do? And what and I think tough times for the church are such a fantastic opportunity to reach people with the gospel and give them true hope. You know, in Australia, many people trust in the wrong things. You know, they're trusting in their job, they're trusting in their wealth, they're trusting in their their assets, etc. But what an opportunity to help people uh, focus on what's truly important and give them the uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So that's an important thing. But also churches can thrive in tough times. You know, what we saw in 2008, churches that were willing to step out in faith and bless those that are in need, those are the churches that flourished and did really well. Uh, you know, I heard of all sorts of innovative things churches doing, like setting up jobs clubs to help people find jobs. But really, the ideas are endless. There are so many things that we can do as a church to help bless people in our community and help them get through a challenging time. Not to say the church finances themselves won't be affected, but there's things you can do, build up your reserves, particularly you don't want to have to fire people in the church. So you want to make sure that you get the church finances in good order now rather than down the track when things get tough. Um, yeah, so that's that one. Let's just to touch well. on how, for those who are in business, uh, you know, at the business side of things, clearly they're in the firing line. If there is another global financial crisis, a quick tip or two here for people at a business level, Alex. Yeah, look, lots of things business owners can do. Once again, I would encourage them to have reserves too, just to, to ride out any tough times. and also gives them a chance to adjust to changes in circumstances. What I found, and this is what I did at a personal level during the, uh, the COVID crisis, was consider alternative re- revenue streams. You know, if you've got your own business, maybe you can add a new service or maybe you can add a new product. What can you do to grow your revenue so that you've got, you're not dependent on one source of revenue at the time? So there's things like that you can do to try and adjust. And also ask yourself, what would be the impact on your business during these tough times? Because that may lead to decisions like hiring freezes. That's already going on in the US now. The US, because it's on the verge of recession, if not already in recession, businesses there are already um, putting freezes on hiring new people. So there's things like that you can do to protect your business, to to ride out the storm. Um, But also my encouragement to business owners is to actually look at it as an opportunity. Because when tough times come, you know, sometimes your competitors may get into to hot water. There may be opportunities to acquire other businesses. Um, it's a chance for um, you, you, you to potentially prosper and do things a bit differently and uh, really seize an opportunity. Don't panic. You know, a lot of people panic and they, they see these things as a, as a negative, but opportunity and a lot of good can come out of them as well. Okay, so uh, short of being alarmist and talking about the possibility or the likelihood of another deep financial crisis globally, uh, look for those opportunities, whether it's individually or with your local church or if you're in business, uh, there will be opportunities. And how do you link with Alex Cook? Let me tell you how you can. Alex Cook's the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Wealthwithpurpose.com is the website and there's free resources there to get your finances in order. You can follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. There's also an Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email if you have a question you'd like to pose for a segment like this on a Tuesday. Alex Cook, wonderful getting your insights. Thanks so much for updating us once again today on 2020. 